Over the last couple of months, we've been uh, working our way uh, through the whole book of Acts, uh, and so reading the whole thing. Uh, today, we'll focus mostly on our first reading. Uh, it'd be great to keep your Bible open uh, to follow along as we go, and let me pray for us uh, that God might speak to us. Uh, dear Lord, as we reflect on your word now, I pray that we might be encouraged and challenged by Paul's experience uh, and emboldened to share our own stories with others. Amen. Uh, as people, uh, we love stories. Uh, they connect with who we are. They connect with who we would like to be. Uh, they explore uh, the best and the worst of humanity. Uh, and they connect with our emotions. They, you know, they make us laugh. They make us cry. Uh, they bring out our fears and phobias. Uh, they're powerful. Uh, I think for some people, though, uh, when you talk about the word story, uh, it has a sort of a negative association in the context of the story of our experience and faith. Because it sounds like, you know, as Christians, uh, that our story is just sort of completely subjective. Uh, it's more about our perception of reality uh, than what is actually real in the world. Uh, it's more about uh, our perception than facts. Uh, and our facts are certainly part of our faith, aren't they? Uh, we, we place our hope in the facts of Jesus' resurrection. Uh, but facts alone don't capture reality. Uh, they don't capture the whole story of how we respond to those facts, how we feel about those facts. They're all part of the story and they're all part of our experience. Uh, so if you're a Christian here today... Uh, then you have a story about how you came to faith. Uh, and that story is powerful uh, because your experience uh, connects with and resonates with someone else's experience. Uh, and as you tell your story, it helps them to imagine, well, if you can make that journey, uh, then that opens up the door to, well, perhaps I could also make that same journey. Uh, and that's both uh, quite confronting uh, but also it, it raises a, a certain curiosity about life. Uh, perhaps I haven't got it all together. Perhaps where I am now uh, isn't where I need to be. Perhaps there's more to life. And so as people hear your story about how God works, it connects with their experience. Uh, in the passage uh, that we read uh, today, we hear Paul's story. He stands up in front of this uh, angry crowd and you know, shares his story of how God took this zealous, Jesus-hating Pharisee and turned his life completely upside down. Uh, for those who would appreciate just a quick refresher uh, of where we have been and where we're up to lately, uh, Paul has been going from city to city, uh, talking about Jesus and, and sharing the good news. Uh, and now he's returned to Jerusalem and he knows that things are going to end badly. Uh, so he says, uh, but even though he's, he's fearful of what's to come, this is his conviction. And he says, my only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. And so the good news of God's grace is that Jesus is the promised Messiah who has come to save people from their sin. 
And our sin depends, and our salvation depends, on God's grace because Jesus' death and suffering deals with the consequences of our sin and deals with the consequences of death. So Paul arrives in Jerusalem ready to testify to God's goodness that Jesus really is the Messiah. And when he arrives in Jerusalem, uh, the church welcomed him warmly. It seems to be uh, very different to what we were preparing or expecting. Uh, But there was also some real concerns amongst the the Jewish Christians uh, about how Paul was sort of being faithful to their customs and cultures. And so to avoid conflict, he he goes along and participates in this Jewish uh, cleansing ritual. Uh, And so in the words of of 1 Corinthians, to sort of get into Paul's head about his motivation for, for going along with this, he says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks or the church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way. For I'm not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. Uh, So you get a little bit of sense of of why Paul does what he does. Uh, But just when you think he sort of diffused the crisis uh, and everything looks like it's going to work out okay in Jerusalem, uh, the whole situation explodes. And so we finished uh, the passage last week reading how uh, the Jewish people see Paul in the temple and uh, verse 27 from last week, they stirred up the whole crowd and seized him, shouting, fellow Israelites, help us. This is the man who teaches everyone everywhere against our people and our law and this place. And so the mob mentality sets in and they seize Paul and and they they, they proceed to literally beat him to death. Uh, And in fact, he ends up getting rescued by the Roman uh, garrison leader, uh, by the commander of Jerusalem. Uh, You would think at this point, you know, Paul would be happy just to sort of go, you know what, I'm alive, I'm safe, let's just have a quiet afternoon. You know, let's just take a breather. Um, we can get back on the horse tomorrow. Uh, but, but Paul's a little bit like kind of that, the, the sparring dummy in Kung Fu Panda. So if you've missed this piece of, of cinemagraphic brilliance, uh, then, then, you know, you can go home and watch it. But here's the very short version of how this scene pans out. Okay, we can move on. I could watch that for a while. It's, but uh, you sort of get you know, the, the whole punching bag thing. You know, Paul gets punched and he just comes right back and he gets punched again and he just comes right back. And, and that's sort of what we're seeing here. So Paul sort of gets dragged out from almost being lynched uh, and he turns to the commander and he says, you know, do you mind if I, if I just have a few words? You know, can I say a few things to the crowd? And what he does is he stands up and he shares his story. Uh, He shares his story about how God uh, rescued him from his misbelief, uh, from his mistaken understanding about who Jesus was. And his speech has a very simple structure, which we're going to follow today. This is where I was. This is how Jesus changed my life. And this is where Jesus wants me now. And so our passage will will kick off in, in 22 verse 3. Then Paul said, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city. 
I studied under Gamaliel and was thoroughly trained in the law of our ancestors. I was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. I persecuted the followers of this way to their death, arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison. As the high priest and all the council can themselves testify, I even obtained letters from them to the associates in Damascus and went there to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. Uh, so he was born in Tarsus, but uh, most significant for his formation and for the, the context in which he's speaking, he grew up in Jerusalem and he grew up under the direction of Gamaliel, who people knew. Uh, he was well known as a revered Jewish scholar. Uh, this is someone who people look up to. In fact, Gamaliel, we've actually met before, because he's the one who stood up in the Sanhedrin way back in, in earlier part of Acts, in Acts 5, and he says this about Peter and the apostles, just to give some context. Uh, Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, who will not you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. And so this is the man who taught Paul. Uh, and as Paul stands up, you know, his credentials as a Jew and as a Pharisee are impeccable. Uh, but he's equally renowned for his hatred of the followers of the way. Uh, and that sort of you know, phrase, the way, uh, probably came directly from Jesus. You know, in John uh, 14, uh, it quotes Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And for Paul in his former life as a Pharisee, uh, he would have hated those words. And out of his zeal for God, he wanted to see this false teaching wiped out. In fact, compared to Paul, uh, these guys who have seized him are, are amateurs. Uh, these guys are just opportunistic. You know, they saw Paul in the temple and grabbed him. Uh, Paul has dedicated his life, his former life, to systematically going around, finding Christians, and doing whatever it was going to take to wipe out this abomination. And part of what makes Paul's words so powerful is his heritage, but, but also he's kind of just like them. You know, what they're feeling now, he gets it. He, he was there once upon a time. He was there when Stephen was being stoned to death. Uh, but he wants to take them on a journey from how, who he was then to who he is now. And he wants to talk about how Jesus changed his life. So verse 6 in our passage, about noon I came near Damascus. Suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. I am Jesus of Nazareth, who you are persecuting, he replied. Now that's a pretty compelling uh, encounter, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you can't quite perhaps capture the emotion of what he is feeling in that moment. He recognises that whoever's speaking is Lord, but imagine realising that this Lord is the Lord you have been persecuting. Imagine the fear and the confusion in that moment. Uh, perhaps the identity crisis in that moment. He's dedicated his life 
to persecuting Christians, and now it turns out to all be true. And so after he's blinded on the road to Damascus, he's he's then taken uh, to visit Ananias, or Ananias visits him. Uh, And he's described as a devout observer of the law and highly respected by all the Jews living there. And that's kind of an important part of the story because uh, Paul wants to say, uh, this isn't just my experience, but actually someone who you respect, someone who's respected in their community, uh, they've also come to the point of recognising that Jesus is the Messiah. And so Ananias confirms what we already know. Uh, What he's experiencing isn't something new, but actually it's a fulfilment of promises from long ago. So verse 14, the God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear words from his mouth. You will be his witness to all people of what you have seen and heard. And now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptised and wash your sins away, calling on his name. So the father sent the son to deal with sin by allowing his son to stand in our place and to suffer the consequences we deserve. That's the the heart of the gospel message. Christ died once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous. Uh, But of course, Jesus didn't stay on the cross. Uh, He was the suffering Christ, uh, but now he's actually the exalted Christ. Uh, He's the exalted Uh, son of God sitting at the right hand of the father uh, who is now fulfilling the will of his father. He has a purpose and a plan to gather people from all people and all nations and God is fulfilling that plan and he is working through people like Paul. And so Paul has been called to bear witness to what he has seen and heard. Uh, But with that realisation... Uh, he also recognises that he needs to respond, to get up, be baptised and wash your sins away, calling on his name. Now, baptism is the acknowledgement that we need cleansing uh, and that we need you know, someone else to do the cleaning. I don't know, you, know, you come home and you're filthy dirty, right? Uh, you can't simply keep rubbing yourself. It doesn't really work. Uh, you, you need water, you need something, um, you need soap. Uh, you know, baptism is a recognition that, that you have a problem, that you are dirty as a, response, you know, as a result of sin, and that we need someone, something, to clean us. Uh, but it is symbolic. It's symbolic of what Christ has done. And I think the risk sometimes, in our culture particularly, uh, is when we start to take that symbol and we use that and replace what Jesus actually did for the symbol itself. So we we start trusting in baptism to save rather than in Christ uh, who uh, cleanses us from our sin. And I think when we get to that point, uh, we really need to heed the warning of of what happened for Israel because this is kind of what Israel did. They became very religious. So so they knew the law, that they they could obey the rule, they, they could do the rules and they could turn up to the temple and they could do the sacrifices. Uh, but they lost any sense of love for God and they lost any sense of obedience in day-to-day life. You sort of, you know, you turn up to church on Sunday, be Christian-ish, say a confession, something like that, and then you you head off to work and as if nothing has ever changed. Uh, It's almost like you've got two worlds. Uh, Well, if that was us, if we took that approach to baptism, uh, if we took that approach to life, 
then we need to hear God's warning to Israel. Uh, and it's a pretty dramatic warning. So this is from Amos. I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Yeah, that, that's a pretty graphic picture, isn't it? It's a pretty harsh rebuke. Um, so absolutely, we celebrate when people are baptised, but we're not celebrating the baptism. We're celebrating what Christ has done. We don't trust in the symbol. We trust in the Lordship of Christ. And calling on his name is, is a recognition of his authority, isn't it? That he actually has the power to save. You know, if you're drowning and you call out someone's name, you're not simply acknowledging that they are present. You are acknowledging that they can actually do something to rescue you. Uh, that, that's what happening, happens here when we call on the name of Jesus. We recognise that he has the power to save. You know, Paul was made blind. Uh, but in his blindness, for the first time ever, he could actually see. He could actually see that Jesus really was the promised Messiah. Uh, he could see that he needed cleansing, that even being a good Pharisee wasn't good enough. Uh, and he could see that Jesus was the answer, that Jesus was the one who could genuinely cleanse him. And so he goes from this former way of life to become a completely different person. You know, it's a pretty dramatic story, isn't it? It's a pretty compelling story. Uh, and certainly if you're a sceptic, if you're standing in the crowd there that day, you've got to be wondering, you know, why would anyone make this story up? He is a man of good standing in society. Everything was going well for him. He was well regarded. And he has thrown it all away. You know, what would compel someone to do that? There's no social benefit, there is no financial benefit, there is no prestige. He's giving it all up for pain and suffering and persecution. Why would he do that? And of course the answer is because he recognises that Jesus really is the Messiah. Now, if you're a Christian here today, then you do have your own story to tell. You know, it doesn't matter whether it started off, you know, sort of, angry uh, or atheistic or agnostic or apathetic. Uh, it's the story of how God has chosen to work through the events of your life, through his Holy Spirit, to bring you to a place of recognising his lordship. And because it's God who's doing the work, then you know, sometimes that is going to be dramatic, you know, like a sort of a Paul moment. Uh, for some of you, that's, that's your story. Something dramatic happened in your life. Uh, for others, it's that little by little incremental conviction. Uh, for some, uh, God appeals to us uh, relationally. You know, we we recognise there is a God who loves us and we need forgiveness. Uh, for some of us, uh, God appeals to us pragmatically. Yeah, we look at what the Bible says and we see that it works, that life works better. And so we recognise God's lordship behind us, uh, or behind it. Some of us, uh, God appeals to us intellectually and rationally. Uh, we look at the facts of history, we look at the evidence, uh, and that is what convicts us that it is true. Uh, all of those things are, are, are valid. Uh, God works through each of those different reactions to point us all to a single truth, uh, that Jesus is Lord, 
we need to repent and believe. Uh, and our different experiences will resonate differently for different people, won't they? Uh, so can I encourage you that whatever you think your story is, and you, if you're a Christian, you, you might feel your story is a bit boring. Uh, or you might think it feels quite dramatic. But whatever your story is, uh, actually, uh, that's a story that will resonate for different people in different places. Uh, so if your story is part of growing up in a Christian family and the, the journey you had to make from a faith associated with your family uh, to, an, to an owned faith, uh, well, that's an encouraging story. That's an encouraging story for someone who shared that similar experience. Uh, that's an encouraging story or a challenging story for someone who grew up in a Christian family but then has turned away. And your experience... Uh, opens their eyes to perhaps a different way of looking at that. Uh, perhaps it's down the other extreme. Uh, perhaps uh, for you, uh, the story that really resonates with you is that story of the person who came from a very different starting point. You know, preferably one that has no belief in any God whatsoever. Hardened and cynical. And you want to hear, well, how does, how does God work in that person's life? And how did God open their eyes and bring them to a point of recognising that Jesus is Lord? How did he break through that hardness? And we find that in story challenging and encouraging. Uh, if you're a tradie, uh, then your experience of life and your perspective of life will connect with, with other tradies. Uh, if you're a mum, uh, if you are a retiree, uh, whatever your particular story and circumstance... Uh, it connects with other people's experience, with their, their fears and aspirations and hopes and perspectives. And all of them point to a different way. All of our stories as Christians points to how God gathers his people and how God provides answers for life, how he moves us from where we are to where he wants us to be. Uh, for Paul, uh, there was no big life crisis, really. Up to that moment, going along that road to Damascus, uh, he thought he had a clear purpose and a clear understanding about what God was all about. Uh, and God used that moment, a really dramatic moment, to, to kind of turn everything upside down. Uh, for other people, it might be that you know, they've been going along in life and it's just not working out the way that they had hoped or imagined. And they get to a point of saying, you know, is there a better way? Uh, for someone else, actually, life might be fantastic. It's going brilliantly well. Their career's going well. You should see their house. Incredible. Uh, but they get to this point of going, you know what? I I've achieved all these wonderful things, but is this it? You know, this is everything the world said I, I should have, but is, is this it? Uh, we all come to a different point, or come to the journey from a different point. But whatever that starting point, wherever they are at, uh, our stories have something to speak into that. Uh, and so we share our stories in, in the way we live, uh, in our disposition, our attitude, the way we treat other people. Uh, we share our stories, uh, in the words of Peter, by always being ready uh, to share the hope that we have in Christ. As people ask us, you know, why are you who you are? Uh, and sometimes you get to share your whole story, don't you? Where, where someone says, why are you a Christian? And you go, well, funny you mentioned that. Uh, but it's always hard to do it in the moment, isn't it? 
You know, in converse, conversations are messy. Um, and so often we, we come back at the end and go, ah, I knew what I should have said, and gee, it would have been good. Uh, but that does mean that as Christians, we do need to prepare a little bit. We, we don't have to prepare that much. It's our story. But are we ready to share our story? Are we ready to talk about how Christ is Lord uh, and how he saved us and how he took us from a sinner uh, to someone who can now be called a saint? Uh, not because of our goodness, but because of God's grace. And who knows how God will use your story? You know, certainly for Paul, as he stood up uh, in front of that crowd that day, uh, I can't imagine it worked out the way he was hoping. As they raised their voice and shouted, rid the earth of him, he is not fit to live. I'm not sure I could possibly put enough expression in my voice to capture that type of hatred. Uh, that's not the reaction he would have been hoping for. Uh, but in one sense, that's not the point. Uh, we can't control people's reactions. Uh, we can control our willingness to speak. Uh, that's a bit we can control. Uh, we can pray uh, that God will work through our, our story, the story of how he worked in our life, uh, to impact someone else's story. Uh, if you're not sure sort of how to put that story together, then, then just follow the you know, example of Paul. You know, this is where I was. This is how Jesus changed my life. And this is where Jesus wants me now. So let's pray that we might be able to share that story. Let me pray. Uh, dear Lord, for each person here today who uh, calls on your son's name, uh, we thank you for, for the mercy you have shown. Uh, Lord, help us to be uh, strong and courageous. Help us to stand up in the world and to be willing to share the story of your grace in our lives. Uh, Lord, for those who are here today uh, who perhaps uh, do not trust your son as Lord, uh, Lord, I, I pray as they read your word, as they encounter other Christians, as they think about their life, that you might choose to work graciously. Uh, but in all of us, Lord, I pray we come to the point of recognising the Lordship of your Son. Amen.